As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Reggae Lover Podcast. This is Khalil Wanda. And I'm Agard. What up, people? BigUpNiceUpRadio.com. Yeah, man, and big up everybody listening all across the world on all DSPs. DSPs. Getting fancy. Today we got a, a DSP on the show. What is it? D- digital Digital streaming platform. Digital streaming platform. You all got you guys know that we've been working with Pandora to help push reggae music. Our podcast is featured on Pandora and we have a couple of playlists on Pandora as well. Well today we brought in Diego Herrera. He's the man with the plan for uh <laughs> For Caribbean music, at least. Yeah, he's he's one of the big wigs over there. And, you know, he really is entrenched within the culture and has been for a long time. And now he's in the corporate world, making things happen, pushing buttons. You know what I'm saying? Working hand in hand with the, uh, what do you call it? The ecosystem? Exactly. So he's touching the artists, the labels, the distro channel. Very interesting conversation. You guys will absolutely love it. Yeah, man. We loved it. Yeah, very informative. Very, uh, I wouldn't say intellectual, but it, it it got to intellectual points, you know? Yeah, man. You know, we, we like to pull back the, the curtain and shed some light on into what goes on on the back end, on the inside of the industry. You know, we all use these platforms now to listen to content. But it's like, what, how does this really work? What are the inner workings? So we learned a little bit about that, touching some of the things that we have talked about on various episodes. But Diego's perspective is very refreshing, and he comes from a very knowledgeable 
point of view about things. Yeah, man. So if you're an artist or a producer or you manage artists or you're just a lover of the music, you know, this this conversation will definitely interest you. That's right. Of course, stay tuned. Buzzworthy Tastemaker Sound Clash update coming your way right after this. Joining us for the very first time out of California, representing dancehall, reggae, Caribbean culture, world music, Afrobeat, Latin, all of that really, and a representative of the popular streaming service Pandora. We have Diego Herrera with us. He's also a a DJ by trade, a lover of reggae music and and the whole culture. Definitely glad to have you on the platform, Diego. Welcome. Yo, thank you very much for having me. I'm a big fan. I listen. So it's cool to be here with you guys and be able to chop it up and and talk about all things reggae and music. Thanks again. I wanted you to kind of just share a little bit about your reggae lover journey, how you fell in love with the music, what led you to a career in in the business? I would say, I guess my my journey with reggae starts, you know, I'm from Costa Rica, you know, Central America. It's just about an hour by flight away from Jamaica. So there's a lot of Jamaican and kind of Caribbean influence there. I grew up in a household that was always just really full of music, you know, whether it's Latin music or, or you know, like my parents were kind of, you know, they were like hippies. So they're kind of like, a lot of rock and, and music from that era too and growing up in the 80s and 90s you know so it was a lot there was a lot like always happening in the house in terms of music just always playing there was never silence you know so but yeah growing up uh you know in costa rica and in california i was always just interested in reggae I always had it kind of in my let's say like peripherally you know i think i you know always kind of point back to one particular moment, um, one particular song that really kind of just awakened my real true interest in reggae music. And that is, um, I think back in, I don't know, 94 or something like that. A friend of mine gave me like a tape of just, you know, some, had a bunch of reggae songs on it. And I remember hearing Under Me Sensi, you know, the Barrington Levy tune for the first time. And it was a particular mix, you know, there's like a few different versions of mix, you know, that tune that are mixed slightly different yeah. with, you know, like either keys or guitar over the top. But this is one that was just like real Chundra Law's like deep sound style with, it was mostly just kind of like drums and bass and like a few, you know, a little bit of guitar. And I just remember like the sound of it, you know, with Branks and Levy's voice, it just sounded so dark and kind of mysterious, you know, and unlike a lot of um maybe some of the stuff that i had been listening to at that time you know or listened to up until that time i should say so from there i remember like hearing that tune and being like thinking yeah you know i I really need to learn more about this you're like the first person that has said barrington levy oh yeah you know what i'm saying in terms of like what really sparked them to get into like you know usually it's a bob marley situation or i've heard a lot of people say gregory isaacs so you're the first to say (laughs) barrington levy that was the beginning of it um, so yeah, so then started collecting, 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 started DJing, you know, or like trying to basically teach myself how to DJ. I had a few friends who were DJs and they kind of gave you pointers, right? But at the end of the day, it's always like you uh, alone with your mix mm-hmm. and your turntables and just putting in those hours and learning how to, you know, string together the tunes and buying the tunes, right? Being up on the new stuff, being up on the producers, getting ready and like being there at 
you know, your local record shop or, you know, the spot that, you know, you can get, you know, you can get seven inches at, you know, they, yeah. they have like the brand new stuff. And so then once you start collecting now, I mean, how did you, you know, this DJ talk a little inside game, you know what I'm saying? Like, how did you target, you know, what you started buying and collecting, you know, when you start first building the collection? First of all, any DJ worth their weight is someone who becomes obsessive about digging, right? Digging in the crates. And for those of us from that era, right? Like that means, you know, you save up your money, you're there at the record store on release day, whatever that day, Tuesday or Wednesday, right? It was like when they used to drop all the records. You go and you try to like hit that, you know, the stacks as, as early as you can. And then you go digging, digging, digging and see what else you can find, right? And, and that was one of the things I actually really always loved about the beginning and, and still to this day anytime i get the opportunity if i really start like digging through some stacks i'll go through the whole thing until i'm sure that i have found <laughs> you know everything that i want yeah. it became kind of a, a bit of an obsession right because you start to as you're buying records and you're reading through the labels you start to say like yo who's this producer you know what's what's this label here you know this is a this particular label jammies like why, why am I seeing this all over these tunes that I like, right? Um, same with, yeah. like, you know, the album covers. If you ever got, like, this, the covers with the sleeves and you'd, like, see all the performers, like, the, the you know, the artists who are actually, like, playing the music, right? And you'd be like, yo, like, right. Flabba, like, he was on this other album that I like, you know, oh, Roots Radix Band, right? Like, here, here, here. Mm -hmm. So you start connecting those dots and it just, like, builds that, I don't know, that base of knowledge in your head, you know? Once you transition into starting to actually like play in front of audiences, playing at clubs and playing at parties or what have you, that's, I think, really when it kicks up because then it becomes a bit of a competitive thing, right? You want to know like the tunes that are hot before anyone else does. You want to be the first one to play that tune before anyone else does. You want to have that wow factor, right. right? Like where when you drop that tune, like people, let's say there might be like a bunch of people who are dancing to it and they're like, oh, this is cool. But then the heads in the audience, you know, the ones who really know are like, what was that? You know, for instance, I mean, I remember even like getting a jump on uh, Welcome to Jamrock. Okay. You know, I, I would buy like records at this one store here in the Bay Area. The owner of the shop, I remember, because I used to go there all the time, like every week. And he was like, yo, I got something for you. Here's this, you know, like buy two copies. Mm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I copped two of them. And then the party was like the next yeah. night. And I don't know that anyone else had even heard this tune yet. And I remember dropping it and immediately people being like, yo, what is that? You know, and this is even before people even knew like where the sample came from, you know? So a lot of people, you know, like those, you know, who weren't aware at the time, like didn't know that that came from sampled off of like an Ani Kamosi tune, you know? Yep. So that moment, right. That like moment of kind of like, boom, I got you, <laughs> you know? And to the and then you know when people forward the tune you like pull it back up start from top that's the kind of stuff I think that really drives you as a selector I think right the reaction right. right what was the the vibe like in terms of the support for reggae in that area at the time you know were there like a lot of stores were there a lot of clubs so let's take a break to talk about one of our great sponsors i tell you what i was listening to an audio book about bob marley on audible entitled so much things to say mm -hmm. it's an oral history written and performed by roger stephens he's spent time down in jamaica interviewing everybody including marley and everybody that was around him so i'm talking rita marley skill cole 
film crews that were down filming him, you know, all the members of the Whalers. He's having these conversations in these interviews that he also collected while he was doing the radio shows. He put all this information into a book. What's so great about it is it, it just immerses you into the experience, quoting Peter Bunny, the incidents happened with Bob getting shot, the concert when he brings the two political leaders on stage. And so you really get the excitement, the energy of what is going on. That book right there, I strongly recommend it to any reggae lover, anybody that's into Bob Marley, and we have a special deal. Go to Audible and get a free book, free trial of Audible. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover, and there you can grab a free copy of this book. And the reason why I like Audible is because I like to learn new things, but sometimes I don't have time to read a book. I don't have time to sit there and leaf through the pages because I got work to do. So I like to listen to books in the car. If I'm riding a bike, just taking a walk in the neighborhood. There's so many different ways that you can actually learn new information or be entertained. You know, me personally, I like nonfiction. I like biographical stuff. So Audible is a great tool to use in order to take in that information and still go along with your day. Audible, they have the best narrators. You know, you're able to keep where you're at in the book. It's a very convenient way to take in new information and be entertained. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover. So much things to say. The title by Roger Steffens, Oral History of Bob Marley. Or was it just maybe like one or two places that everybody kind of flocked to? If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Every weekend. The, the Bay Area actually has a pretty vibrant DJ culture. You know, more, I would say, like based in uh, more, I, more known for like, hip -hop, right. you know, because you have guys like Triple Threat and, you know, these DJs who are legendary DJs that have come out of the Bay Area, Mixmaster Mike and, you know, uh, Shortcut and, you know, whoever else. Right. So as a result of that, you know, there were lots of record stores and there was lots of places where you could go buy. Um, as far as reggae, you know, it was a bit of a toss-up you just you know you'd go to spots and they would always have a reggae section i think a lot of people uh not only bought from stores 
but we're also ordering a lot like direct online from you know spots i don't know if you guys ever ordered from like ernie b's or oh yeah like any yeah that's so, how yeah, we yeah. built our box back in the yeah. day <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. Some real that rare was our, stuff. That was our digging in the crates. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> going going through his catalog. Absolutely, yeah. you know what I mean. And so you kind of like you know had to be a bit resourceful and find you know music wherever you could find it. You know, so of course, like ordering you know direct was was one thing. You know, if you had the money and you could go in on a on a, like an order from Europe or something like that with some friends, like you know, it's to kind of like cut down on the shipping costs. You know what I mean? You do that or. Um, you know, there was for, for a while, there was a couple of stores that really did specialize like in reggae and Caribbean and, you know, like world music here in the Bay Area. Um, there were some big stores here in California, you know, like a, a chain of stores called like Amoeba. And there's like a few that were, you know, here for a long time called Rasputin. I, I tend to think of, um, you know, the art of digging is like part skill and part luck because you never know, <laughs> like when you're just kind of somewhere. You know, you might be like walking down the street and you see the dollar bin out in front and someone's put some records in there that they didn't know the value of or whatever, or, you know, something that you knew you wanted and boom, you got it. And you, maybe if you had just never turned down that street, you never would have found that one cut, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting too, to kind of relate it to where we are now, because now it's like, there's so much music out there. So much music gets released every day. And sometimes those tunes just fall in your lap. You know, like you, you're like, oh, this, you know, I've never heard this artist before. I'm gonna listen to this, and you go, oh wow, you know, this is this is a tune right here, you know. And then you just kind of quietly put it in your box, you know, so to right. speak, you know. And then as far as the clubs, there were clubs here for sure, but it was always it's not like out on the East Coast, like New York and DC and Miami, where you know there were spots that were just always playing it. Like it was always like a certain night you know, the nights where they weren't playing other genres of music, like hip hop or dance music, you know, like club, like a Off house, night. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was always like Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, but for a long time here, it, you know, kind of got to be that pretty much every night of the week somewhere, mm-hmm. whether it was in one city or the other, or one part of town or the other, you could find a spot, you know, you could find a spot to go to. Talk us through now how, you know, you moved from, DJ in and moved into the corporate world. Yeah. So, you know, I kept, I've kept on DJing for a long time. I was working, you know, other jobs. And at a certain point, um, I remember basically I got kind of sick of what I was doing and decided that I was going to um, basically just DJ full time. You know, like a, I was going to set up like a mobile, you know, service. And I started doing, I mean, I don't even know if I could call it a service to be perfectly honest with you. Like on paper, it was supposed to be, but it was mainly just me. And like, I would, you know, <laughs> basically like pay friends to help me do gigs whenever, you know, I needed the help. But I was doing like basically everything a DJ, a working DJ does, right? You do like weddings and you do, you know, parties and then you do club stuff on the side. And then, you you know, when you can hit up the corporate gigs, you do the corporate gigs, you know. And I did that for a year, you know, a few years. When I ended up getting the opportunity to, to work at Pandora and I moved into the curation department, um, I was initially hired to kind of like do general curatorial stuff. And, and mainly that at the time was um, like more of a librarian kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like I would, you know, get these spreadsheets of, of stuff like failed searches, you know, and so and they would task me to basically go and find that music and this was even at the Mm. time too where you know we were straight up like buying and uploading content you know so that we could play it on our on our radio uh, platform you know okay 
then as time went on, um, you know, like when, and even when I got hired, you know, they, they told me, yeah, like we want you to kind of like do this kind of curatorial work, but also, you know, we know that you have a background and, you know, like Ray and Caribbean music and even Latin and some other stuff. So, you know, if you can like find time to do that on the side or, you know, whatever, you know, have at it. So I kind of had at it, <laughs> so to speak, right? Like whether or not that was actually like my main kind of thing, yeah. I was like just really like focused on trying to make sure that, you know, all the artist catalogs were completely on point, you know, that we had all the music that was current and kind of like and hitting in the clubs, right? And and then also just like, you know, kind of doing the stuff like listening for trends and trying to make sure that, um, you know, the brand new artists were were available and all that stuff. And then eventually, you know, as a little time went on, they had me start doing some programming work too, like actually, you know, kind of transitioning out of just doing the library and stuff, but also being in there and like actually tending to the stations, you know. And eventually, you know, Pandora transitioned into having playlists. And from then, it's just been really about trying to create a really well-filled out experience for any type of listener who's interested in listening to reggae or Caribbean music. My meticulous nature, uh, when it comes to digging, like really lent itself to what I do in like the digital realm, right? Because I'm willing to put in the time and effort to like dig through hundreds of releases every week if I think that I might be able to find that one tune that people need to know about, you know? And then also kind of really wanting to make sure that there's representation, you know, because it's easy, I think, for any service to just kind of say, hey, like, we're going to create a reggae station, we're going to create a dancehall station, we're going to create a soca station. Like, there you go, base is covered. But that's not the reality of it. Like, the reality of it is that even within any of those genres, there's tons of subgenres, right? right? There's people who like to listen to, you know, specialized stuff. Maybe you like to listen to digital dancehall from the UK, you know what I mean? Maybe you like to listen to Steppos. Maybe you like to listen to Lover's Rock. Maybe you like to listen to Ska or Calypso, right? Groovy Soka. Any of those things, right, right. requires attention, and you know, to, to really, like, bring it to life. Because the worst thing I think you can do in this position that I'm in mm. is to just be generic. It's, it's lazy. and It just doesn't show that you actually care about the music. It shows that you care enough, but once a person gets in there, you actually want them to have like a real experience to what you're trying to give them, you know? Mm -hmm. What you just said is very interesting because, I mean, me as a user of these platforms, I'm thinking, oh, it's just this algorithm, you know? So I didn't know necessarily how much human effort goes into making these stations. And I don't know how much you want to get into it, but how much of it is, you know, I don't know, maybe algorithms and computer learning versus what you do. Is it like you start it up and then it kind of learns or do you have people <laughs> like you all over the world just like, you know, kind of like a hamster on a wheel type of situation? Hey, bro, I definitely feel like a hamster on a wheel sometimes, you know, that's just maybe because I'm doing too much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's a great question. And that's probably like one of the things that people wonder about when it comes to Pandora the most, in particular, because I think for a long time, Pandora is kind of public messaging about it has been, you know, like, oh, we use like really great data and algorithms to do recommendations, which is 100% true. Like we have, mm -hmm. I would say we have a pretty unparalleled recommendations service, you know, the, the genome, a lot of people talk about the genome, and there's a lot to basically lean on there, you know, for sure. As far as like a percentage, it's really hard to say, because to be honest with you, it's like me and the algorithms or me and like the genome, like work hand in hand to a certain extent, you know, 
Um, there's yeah. a lot of influence kind of like going both ways. I think with, you know, any sort of like algorithm, it, re it um, relies on some sort of reactionary response, right? The algorithm mm -hmm. takes information from listeners, crunches it, and then makes a better decision next time. And then what I'm doing, on the other hand, uh, that really can't be duplicated by an algorithm or a computer, hopefully, <laughs> is, <laughs> is basically, you know, the opposite, right? Like, I'm understanding the trends. Like, I'm identifying the right song to kind of put in this place based on some cultural moment. You know, finding new artists, you know, new artists that otherwise if left to kind of the whims of a computer may, may or may not be able to be put in front of listeners at the right time, you know. Yeah. So there's a bit of give and take there, you know. Um, the algorithm definitely allows you, or I should say like the music genome definitely allows you to work at scale because it would take a, a team of a lot of people to do even a single genre if you really were trying to program for the millions of people that listen to Pandora. Um, yeah. But that said, I think that, you know, there has to be a place where you are operating from the soul or operating from the gut or whatever place you want to operate from, but it's got to be a human source to really hit home in the best possible way. And, th and then once those two come together, you know what I mean? Like you have the best possible outcome, I think. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. Yeah, man, it makes sense, man. I just shared this article with Agard, I think yesterday, about Pandora's acquisition of, acquisition of Stitcher Radio. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I've been podcasting for like a, a shade over a decade now. So <laughs> in the beginning days, you know, Stitcher was like one of the only <laughs> podcast apps. It's like you had to you had to mess with Stitcher, you know, what I'm saying if you were doing this. And so now it's a lot of different places you can go to listen to podcasts. You know, obviously you guys have been investing a lot, just like your Spotify's and Apple and now Amazon's in it and you know, it's a lot of money going into podcasting right now. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about what Pandora has been doing in, in that realm and kind of like how you see things going, you know, 2021 and beyond? Yeah, I mean, you know, anyone who's been paying attention knows that podcasts have been really steadily increasing over the past few years in terms of consumption. I can't speak 100% to it because it's not necessarily anything I deal with directly, but maybe like in some broad strokes, I'll, I'll talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, for any anyone who's trying to remain competitive right now, it's going to be really important for you to connect with podcast listeners. It's a whole different listening segment. Um, not only can you drive like longer, longer times of listening, which is ultimately like really what you want, but you can provide listeners with a holistic listening experience on your platform, right? Anyone who, any service that kind of isn't investing in it right now is really just creating a situation where a listener is going to go check something out somewhere else. And then the reality of it too is that anyone who's into audio, right? Listeners who are into audio, of which there are many, listen to different things in different times depending on their different moods or activities or time of day. Um, I mean, how many of us uh, like to listen to, I don't know, relaxing music when we're trying to like end the day or um, you know, listen to a podcast if maybe we're trying to get some motivation for something at work, you know, or of course, like the classic example would be like a workout thing, right? Like you want to listen to your pump it up playlist. But podcast, I think, um, offers a really unique kind of uh, listening opportunity because it's uh, people's conversations, you know, what I mean, to dive into people's lives, into people's minds. Um, you can get very into the niche, if you will, or, you know, you can kind of talk about things in more of a snack-sized way. 
there's a there's a podcast that I listen to that's you know probably yours and that one are the ones that I listen to the most. And the other that other one is one that's basically just about kind of like tricks to be better at your job. And I put it on and I kind of like let it rip. And sometimes I take something away from it. And sometimes I don't. But to me, it's at least like a well thought out listening experience. And and to a certain extent, I think that's like really what podcasters want is they want to listen to people who are going to present them with something to think about, like in a little bit more deep of a way. And especially when you can inject like culture or, you know, art or what have you into it. I know that like true crime is like the number one, you know, it's like the number one subject or whatever, which is a little morbid. But for me, I've always uh, thought it was more interesting to listen to stuff like history or kind of like things that help you improve, you know, yourself and, and of course, like for me, like I'm always like checking out the music ones whenever I can. And but as far as Pandora and 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 uh, you know the relation to uh, what SiriusXM and Stitcher are doing, it's it's really just kind of like an extension of what we've already been doing mm-hmm. prior to even the Sticker, Stitcher acquisition. Pandora was already. I mean, you guys have been on Pandora now for a while, and that was you know prior to this. Yep. So it's it's a move that we've already been uh, you know making, and we knew that people were going to be interested in hearing it. And then the idea is to kind of like, again, with the same way that we're doing like great recommendations for music, like try and hit listeners with great recommendations for podcasts based on what, you know, we know about them, you know? So if someone's, you know, out there listening to Chronics or something like that, then we might recommend your podcast to them, you know, based on, on what we know from their past listening session. Yeah. It's really just, you know, a, a, an extension of, of what we're doing in the music realm, but also doing it with kind of like thought provoking or interesting like podcast yeah. uh, listening experiences. So uh, Khalil had mentioned you guys is a parent company, Sirius XM, right? I have a very selfish uh, question. Well, not a question, selfish. sort of a demand, a hope. <laughs> so uh, this is probably even more outside of your wheelhouse, but for many years, I've been a, a serious XM listener, you know, listening to Howard Stern and all that stuff, you know, all the good stuff. And um, I discovered the joint. Okay. Oh yeah. It's a it's a dream of mine that somebody in my circle gets to be so powerful that they take over the joint. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't know if this is a question or just a statement. I just I don't know. It's just it's just a hope of mine. You know, because I'm not a big uh, fan of it right now. <laughs> well, I will say, look, it's... it's no, I put it's, you on the spot. Yeah, uh. <laughs> it's, the joint is a, is a completely different listening format, right? And especially like, you know, Sirius XM, you have to kind of think about like, it's more based kind of on the radio format, right? Definitely yep. moves away from what uh, we do in terms of just how, the, how they're um, putting out content to listeners. I think the joint has been running long and strong for a long time. And I have mad respect for all the people um, involved with like the production and like the shows and, and you have to kind of definitely give it up to people who've been there and, and putting on for the culture, right. For a long time, Mm -hmm. especially me, like, you know, I, I still, you know, I've been at Pandora now, let's just say six years. And um, I still consider myself to be a young one in in that sense even though i've been djing for you know 20 plus years and even though you know i've been you know doing my thing in terms of trying to trying to like put on for the culture i'm not sure what the (laughs) what your gripe is but i would say i just wanted to put it out there i would say it was always worth going back and and giving it a chance you know because maybe you just caught it out a minute where you know well you know what i think it is i think you touched on something that's a, a 
a gripe of mine with most of the stations on SiriusXM, which is it is based on a terrestrial radio kind of format. You know, for me, I know I'm being critical here, but I actually love the platform. But I'm being a little bit critical because I think it's an opportunity to step outside of, you know, the terrestrial radio format. And for me, I guess, I I guess what I'll compare it to is I've been uh, I've been on in the Bay Area once or twice before, and I've listened to like some Bay Area radio. It's interesting. It's the first place that I've been to where. I've heard people without like Caribbean accents playing like reggae. And so it was like, it was like an interesting situation, but I think, I don't, I don't know if, um, I guess I would compare the joint to that type of situation to where it's like more of a, um, I wouldn't say community radio, but more of like a, a grassroots feel to it. Whereas like me coming from New York, Mm. I think I've been totally spoiled with, uh, you know, the number of stations, the number of variety um, when it comes to Caribbean music, is uh, specifically reggae music, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you are definitely spoiled. And <laughs> I'll tell you, there's no there's no place, at least in the United States, that has a better, you know, just kind of like free, immediate option for listening to this music than in New York, you know? Uh, Miami, maybe. Maybe Miami, yeah. yeah, yeah. Radio on the West, on the East Coast is actually uh, like very different. And uh, one of the things I love whenever I go out to the East Coast is actually just like turning on the radio and listening to the mixed shows that seem to never end. Like I've never (laughs) heard a mixed show. I've never heard a mixed show ever end (laughs) on the radio. Yeah, it's all mix. Yeah, which I think is beautiful. You know what I mean? So it's a format thing. You know, I think with the joint, they... uh, are like incredibly well connected and, and do a lot of work to really hype and promote artists, projects, um, giving them an opportunity to speak. And I think that's like incredibly important because we all know that basically artists from the Caribbean don't get as many uh, opportunities in like, you know, popular media to speak and talk about their projects and really amplify what they're doing and, and not just even talk about their projects, but like, express their personalities and be who they yep. are you know um obviously you know on the radio is slightly different and you're kind of connected immediately to that audience that wants to hear that but when you have a platform as huge as a serious xm and you have a station like the joint that is representing for that culture and and really giving those opportunities to artists uh, big and small you know uh, developing and established um, I think that's something really important, and and you got to respect that, no doubt. And and I mean, I'm going to call out Pat McKay, who you know is the yeah. head of the joint, and I have mad respect for Pat. Um, she's not only incredibly smart and savvy, and has like tons of experience, like doing the work she does, um, but is also like really dope person, and has always been super open with me about sharing. And you know, I think uh, one of the things I'm really excited about right now, and especially since the um, Sirius XM purchased Pandora is really getting the opportunity to connect and kind of like come together on doing big projects to really like continue to amplify those voices, uh, you know, as much as we can. And we've done it already. And I think, you know, we're getting better and better at it <laughs> as we go. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. I, I think that's probably what I've been, I was getting at, you know, I grew up listening to Pat McKay. Obviously she's a veteran of New York radio as well. Yeah. Bobby Condors used to be her DJ on her show, I believe. Like that's way, way back. But yeah, you know, I have much respect. I think what it is, is like I said, you know, growing up on the East Coast, I'm so used to different, you know, styles. What they're doing over there is is more for a broader audience. And I guess doing this podcast, I've realized, you know, I'm not necessarily a target demographic for for everything in reggae. So (laughs) yeah, I, I would admit that. 
Well, it's also, you know, like the expression goes, it's a world of reggae, right? It's a world of yeah. reggae. There's a lot of different flavors and there's a lot of different kind of nuance, you know? And, and I'm the same way. Like, you know, I'm not going to lie and be like, I love all reggae. I don't. However, I think a lot of the time for me, it's not my job to tell people what kind of reggae to like. It's more my job to be like, for listeners of this kind of reggae, this is like, you know, the new thing. Or this is like, hey, we're going to like throw it back to this other thing, you know? Or, to kind of like present the best opportunity to any kind of listener to really connect with the type of, of reggae that they like. I don't think, I think the, um, the fact that there's a bit more of a radio format at the joint makes it so you have to have shows, right? You have to have like these yeah. like things where you can like showcase certain things. It's different. It provides uh, a lot of different opportunities, you know, for them to um, create great content. And stuff that's exclusive and you're not necessarily going to hear anywhere else. I mean, like, of course, artists from the Caribbean do, like, you know, the press junkets in the United States. Like, whenever they have releases coming out and what have you, they're going to Hot 97 or, where, or wherever else to, like, do those. But, again, like, a lot of those um, conversations that, are, that they're happening are 10, 15, 20 minutes long on the radio. And they're localized. So I think the joint is able to um, really give those artists like a uh, a way to shine like nationally um and a way and a way to for them to like have a longer format conversation about their music that maybe the artists aren't given the time to do on terrestrial radio that may or may not be true right because i'm just riffing here but i just mean oh yeah yeah i just mean that you know maybe um they you know the same artists might not necessarily get the opportunity to express themselves in the same way if they're doing you know junkets on local radio stations as they would in a place where they're actually given a platform to to speak more kind of intimately about their music right and i'm actually trying you know that's like my 2021 plan is to really kind of try and create those quote-unquote intimate Mm -hmm. (laughs) listening experiences on pandora um and something i definitely want to try and you know develop you know hopefully in 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 tandem with Pat um, is to really like, you know, do more to, to give the community of people, you know, who listen to Caribbean music, who listen to reggae music, um, who listen to soca and otherwise, you know, the opportunity to have those expressions and have those kind of intimate conversations with the listener, you know? Nice. Um, I saw that a couple of years ago, I believe you represented Pandora at the Jamaica music conference. Yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit about, how that came about and what the experience was like. Yeah, man, that was a fantastic experience. That was earlier this year. That all really just started because, you know, we have an office here in Oakland. Uh, that's, that was uh, Pandora headquarters. I actually happened to live literally, you know, 10 minutes walking distance from, from where that is. And a friend of mine had posted on a Monday that they were at this um, event, like the Jamaican Music Conference. And they were doing these, like a road show, you know, kind of around uh, the United States to kind of drum up interest and awareness for um, the conference. Okay. So, and it happened in Oakland, like blocks from my house. And I was like, man, (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had known. I wish I had known. So um, it kind of signaled a couple of things to me, like, A, you know, man, I need to like, make sure I'm up on my, you know, like homework a little bit more in terms of, you know, what the, what the community is doing. But also it made me think like there's an opportunity to connect. So I just reached out and I sent them, I think I just sent them like an email to whatever email was on their Instagram. And I just like, you know, introduced myself and said, hey, next time you're, you're going to do something in Oakland, like let me know because I'd just love to pop in. And then 
it all just kind of started from there. Like we started talking, had a um, back and forth with Kwasi Bansu, who's the founder, he's the CEO. I think when you speak from uh, from a place of like genuine love, you know, especially for uh, the music and the culture, you know, you, it's just easy to make those connections. So it all just grew from there. And then um, basically they were doing pre-planning for, for the one that was supposed to, that was going to be happening earlier this year. And they reached out uh, and said, Hey, like, you know, are you interested in doing something, um, you know, to represent Pandora at this, at this event? And one of the things that they were talking about doing was um, a panel uh, of, you know, people from DSPs. It was going to be the first time really that there was something like that happening in, at least in Jamaica, as far as I know. And also they gave me the opportunity to kind of like have a, do like a workshop, you know, based around uh, Pandora. So of course I said, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Booked the flight, shot down there. And it was great. I mean, it was kind of, I stayed there for a week, but I was kind of like, man, I wish I had had a month that I could just be down here to really connect with people. Cause the entire time, I mean, the entire time I was just running to try and meet and talk with as many people as I could. Everybody who I met with, it was a valuable conversation. It was a valuable connection. Um, and I don't mean valuable like, you know, oh, like here's an opportunity to do something. I just mean that it was just like a real reasoning every time, you know, yeah. a real like genuine connect. And you got to see not only, you know, at the conference, you could see artists who were not only already established, but also like the younger generation of artists were all there kind of in attendance, checking it out. And beyond even the artists, I mean, producers, promoters, publicists, designers, everybody. So it was a really great uh, holistic experience. And the, the panel was really wonderful, too. It ended up being a spicy conversation, of course, you know, because... We we're <laughs> better than you guys. No, no, no. <laughs> in fact, there was... <laughs> no, in fact, to be honest with you, uh, the connect there that happened between uh, those of us who were on the panel was really great because I think sometimes when we work in these positions, you kind of, you're in a bit of a, a box, you know, right. like you don't always get an opportunity to connect with people who are doing the same kind of work. Like in this, you know, these positions are unique. So um, it was great to actually just be able to talk music with people who also understand kind of like the, the day-to-day of what you're doing, whether or not you guys are doing the exact same thing, you're at least kind of like your focus is the same. Right. Um, so, you know, like mad respect to, to all the people I met from, you, you know, YouTube, Tidal, uh, Audio Mac. And was Spotify you know, there was, or am I not? They were not there. Okay. okay. Um, so YouTube, Tidal and Audio Mac and Pandora. And you yeah. guys are sitting on a panel in Kingston talking to by and large Jamaican people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whoever, you know, whoever came to the uh, the conference from afar, you know, mm-hmm. like, there was a lot of people that came internationally too. So. Okay, but definitely a good, you know, there was a lot of of like the like Jamaican audience was there too. I mean, that's yeah, that's what it was all about, you know. So, so you, but it was a, it was a really great exchange, and I think it was scheduled to go for an hour, and I think it went like two plus hours because just everyone had great questions, and there was a lot of follow up and. It it was a panel, but there was a lot of like also back and forth conversation with people and um, definitely super exciting to be there among, you know, people who I have great respect and admiration for and, and to be able to connect. And we took, I think a lot of us took a lot of those connections home with us, you know, and I've continued to, to have conversations. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I know this year, 
Um, you know, we're in the state of, you know, COVID-19 lockdown. And, you know, I, my understanding is that it's going to happen in the virtual world. But nonetheless, you know, I, I, I would highly recommend it to anybody who, you know, who's a lover of the music to attend and check it out and participate and get involved um, because it's definitely worth making happen. That's what's up. Yeah, man. Shout out to Kwasi. I mean, we had him on the show and he kind of electrified us. <laughs> you know, he's definitely a good uh, proponent of the music and the culture. So, yeah. yeah and every every time I hear about that conference, it's it's like a it's almost a spiritual thing. Like, you yeah. know, I've seen video clips and it's like, you know, sometimes it's heated debate and a lot of times it's very animated. You know, I think a lot of people are very um, invested mm -hmm. in this culture. So, you know, shout out to Kwasi for bringing that about. Yeah. Kwasi is a, is a great, like, you know, leader. Like you can see that he, um, he's very, um, focused on, on really like the, the bigger picture and like the greater goal, right. Which is to elevate the music, elevate the art form and elevate the culture. And I think, again, when you have good intentions behind, you know, those goals, it, it can, lead to really like wonderful things and you know anyone speaking from a genuine place is uh you're going to attract some some positive and genuine response right mm -hmm. also got a shout out you know i would be remiss if i didn't mention sharon burke who was actually a big part of like the organization the execution of that um you know sharon uh <laughs> is like so funny man she's she's like auntie sharon you know and really like ran that thing and and uh brought like her her um influence to it and i think the way it came together um with both kind of like the way that kwasi and you know the original um jamaican music conference organization uh was involved in executing plus you know her skill as an organizer really made for uh, a pretty a pretty special event and you know what you're talking about agard about like the interaction was the most important part even if it was like you know uh charged conversation yeah. you know people have those charged conversations because they're passionate you know and that passion if if we were all just there taking notes and kind of getting through the conference and waiting to go get dinner no nah, like that would not be that would not have been worth anybody's time so the fact that those things happen i think is really important and they have to happen because if you don't have that passion then you know there's not going to be a drive to kind of like bring it bring it all to the next level Right. I think certain things can't be ignored. Yeah, no doubt. They shouldn't, right? Right. I was just happy to be, you know, invited and be a part of it and and listen, you know, and 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 learn. If you end up going getting back on Pandora to check out some music, I would recommend if you search for Jamaican Music Conference, I actually made a playlist. Okay. That features all the artists that were either performers, like scheduled performers at it, or all the artists that I actually met while I was there at the conference, um, which was really dope because um, it's a great mix of artists who are already established and um, producers who are kind of established as well as, you know, people who are up and coming and maybe even, you know, up and coming at the time, but now, you know, people know about them, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was something really special for me. It was to kind of like, I just left really inspired and got back and I said, I got to do something to, to, you know, make a testament to kind of like that time that, that happened there. Yeah, man. So we talk a lot about the business 
of reggae and dance hall. Um, we talk a lot about the culture here on this platform. And, you know, you've been gracious enough to give some feedback on some of the commentary on some of the episodes. Um, one in particular recently, we talked about the the vanity metrics. You had some comments about that episode, man. And um, so I wanted to give you the opportunity, now that you're on the show, to kind of sound off a little bit about that. Um, you know, you expressed that you've been working with artists trying to convey to them what would benefit them in the digital music world and um, getting, you know, maybe not the greatest reception to some of the, the facts that you're kicking. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, you know, I, I think the reception actually overall has been good in terms of getting the artists to kind of understand some of the, the bigger picture that, I, that I'm that i like been driving at. Um, I think when we were talking about vanity, what did, what did you call it? Vanity metrics? Yes. Right? Um, it's an interesting it's an interesting topic because right now everyone is so driven by what they can see online, right? right? And what they can see online doesn't necessarily always translate to you know let's say like the metrics of how they perform on services. They can, it can or it can't, right? But I think uh you know okay, chronics summed it up perfectly in likes like there's a lot of people who do it for love and there's a lot of people who do things for likes right Mm -hmm. and i think it's a really important statement because where i think artists grow to become the most successful is because they're doing music from a place of love Mm -hmm. you know and they're not necessarily even acting kind of like performatively on social media chronics i think is an excellent example even he's an embodiment of that Right. Because if you look at his social media, he's someone who speaks from the heart. You know, he's he's um, I'm not going to say impulsive, but he speaks things like as he really feels and sees them. And it translates to his persona on social media, even if you don't know him. Right. But you might what you might take away from it is that he's a really passionate and like deep thinker. And then you go and listen to his music and it's like the confirmation of that. You know, now I'm not saying anyone else who goes on social media and post selfies or, or them at parties or whatever is not a deep thinker. That's not what I'm saying at all. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that sometimes those things don't necessarily like translate to how they're performing career wise. Right. 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 And I think that is what I try to ta- what I've tried maybe to impart on people when they ask me about, you know, like what can I do to help my spins on Pandora? You know, that's like the number one question I get, like, what can I do? Well, I would say when would be the last time you actually posted a link to your station on Pandora or posted like the link to your music on Pandora. And if you go to their social media, they might have never done that, you know, which is okay. Like that's their prerogative. But it's hard to kind of like square that away with what people ask of me sometimes, which is to just like make them successful. You know, Uh I'm not trying to sound too harsh here because I think like it's a very difficult job to actually be an artist, right? To translate art and passion into a product it's actually seems really unnatural you know because a lot of people create because they're just great creators and it's not until you know they realize that people are actually attracted to their music and that to a certain extent they can like monetize and become their own product just by being who they are that things can become complicated you know Mm -hmm. so how does that translate to like the world of, um, you know, vanity uh, metrics, you know, like, or optics, 
I mean, yeah. it's, it's tough, right? You have to be online and you have to have a presence and you have to, you know, these days in particular, be a content creator, mm-hmm. be on YouTube or be on, you know, Twitter or be here and that, there and the other place because you have to make people connect with you as a person, right? You see these um, studies that they do on brands, for instance, right? Like the Nike swoosh, just do it. People spend tons of money on sneakers and on gear, Nike gear, like simply because they think that there's like some like deep connection with those ideas, just do it in the Nike swoosh and like, you know, the Jordan, you know, symbol and stuff. Nike's not necessarily like, let's say, a better product than any other shoe, but people connect with that brand. So artists to a certain extent have to do that same thing. They have to get people to connect with them. Um, They have to get people to buy into who they are uh, as a musician, as a thinker, as a, you know, sexual like person. Uh, That's probably not the best way to describe it as a, uh, I didn't want to say object, but basically as like a sex symbol. What's the word? Yeah. Sex symbol. Thank you. Um, they have to get people to buy into who they are as a sex symbol. But does that translate to whether or not people actually like connect with your music and like will go back and listen to your music or buy your album off of X place? You know, mm-hmm. it's hard to say. And I think that um, it's just become more and more of a complex world, even like since, uh, you know, this COVID thing has kicked off because now that's all you have. You can't even go on stage and be the the live persona you know you can't be the elephant man on instagram i mean you can right elephant man can be elephant man in any <laughs> in any platform but what i mean is like it's not the same as going to see him in a live show so how does that translate to the digital world and kind of like this space that we're in right now where people are content creators and they're kind of like trying to maintain people's attention and keep them connected and with the hope that like once it's all normalizes a little bit like that they're going to be the ones to draw them to the, to you know the event or the tour or what have you mm-hmm. so i think what you articulated was the the fine line between being an artist and being i guess a brand or an entity right and i think the exception to the rule are, are those artists that can be both like have the vision I th- what i've noticed is you no know, there are good artists good creators that have mechanisms surrounding them you know their team how many how many artists do you speak to specifically in the reggae community you do you, do you see them having those people around them or those mechanisms to kind of like help them along in in that aspect i mean it's just an interesting question because you know i'm i'm a dj a sound man you know i see you know growing up i've seen artists and i've just seen artists so i don't have necessarily that connection to the back, you know, what's going on in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, I think that's a, a really important element of the success of any artist is to have a team because there are very few people who can manage all those things as one person. For them to be, you know, accounts receivable, the booking agent, to be the designer, to be, you know, the driver, Blah, 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 and then get on stage and perform. I mean, there's very few people that can do that. And if you can do it, like, shout out to you. And you're probably very successful. It's necessary for people to have a team around them, or at least like a handful of people that they really trust and who are focused on trying to make them successful as well, because it allows artists to be artists. It allows them to just live in a creative space or a performative space, you know, like to, to, to go up there on stage 
and transition from, you know, the person you are off stage to that person when you get in front of the, the video light. You know what I mean? As far as like the number of people who I speak to who have teams, um, it's hard to say because I think that's kind of like an always evolving thing for artists, right? You have to really mm -hmm. be connected with the right people to represent you in the right way. And you see the people who I think like end up being the most successful being the ones that have built, you know, at least a core unit of people, whether it's maybe even just a manager, you know, who really understands right. them and knows how to position them in the right way. It might be a manager and a publicist, right? Because those are definitely two different things. But I think the number one thing really with any, you know, art between any artist and, and their a successful team is is 100% trust. Because when you don't have that there, you know, it breaks down basically like the ability to operate. You know what I mean? It's like, um, it's all gonna, you know, the well-oiled machine uh, metaphor is, is totally apt because, you know, if your radiator or whatever, you know, breaks down, then the rest of the car stops, you know? So hard to say exactly, but I will say that, that I think the most people, the people who have well-established teams are the ones that end up going on to be more successful and rolling out their music in a more successful and thoughtful way. Yeah, I guess the reason for that question, for me, you know, just being an ob observer, it just seems like a lot of the artists, I mean, the, the newer generation, I think they're a lot better, obviously, because they've grown up with social media and all of these concepts. But there's a lot of artists I feel like aren't necessarily savvy in that way. And in, in, in especially in the reggae community, you know, um, I think what what you said was, you know, uh, they just want you to make them successful on your platform. Like, I feel like I've, I've, I've felt that attitude a lot, you know, coming from a lot of artists. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, um, and I don't mean to, I'm definitely not trying to like, slam anybody on that because i think it's very difficult to be an independent artist like by yourself yeah, out no, there. I, I try to get you to do it, say the <laughs> negative stuff <laughs> no no it's all good look i mean um i i think by nature like i'm someone who's very kind of like empathetic you know yeah it's hard for me not to see like where someone is let's say in like their career and and know that they're not out there alone like or with just one other person really trying to make it happen and that's a really like difficult place to be is to yeah. especially where we are right now, where every week hundreds of releases are coming out in just reggae, mm -hmm. you know? So how do you cut through the noise? How do you like be all those roles, you know, that, that um, I mentioned earlier and still effectively like roll out your music and like, and get people to know about it. Um, I do think that um, one of the, I think important lessons though, that really any artist, young, young, in their career or old in their career should know about where we are now in this place in time is that, yeah, like getting on a playlist is not enough. You need to like really be thinking about how to amplify beyond that. I, I think that there's a lot of space for people to learn on how to improve on those things, whether they're with a team or not. Thank right. you. Um, and, and with older artists and the younger generations, you're talking about kind of like two different you know, two different generations, like in different places. Um, you have artists like Beanie Man and Bounty Killer. At this point, they're so well established that they don't necessarily even need to worry about it. They just have someone who's with them probably like taking pictures of them and posting, you know, mm -hmm. and then they get on themselves and also post as well. But you don't have to worry about that because it's already kind of like being generated. Um, with the younger generations, they grew up in the world of social media and that like level of interaction. And so it's natural to them. It's like second nature for them to be on twitter and having conversations with 
people kind of at a larger scale. Um, it's already built into like kind of just the fabric of what the younger generations do. And, you know, I think for those of us, I'm assuming you guys are probably around the same age I am, you know, like we grew up in that period of time where like the internet even exists, that came into existence, you know? So I think that there's kind of even like a middle area for me and, and you guys where we understand the necessity of it to kind of connect with whoever needs to know about what we're doing. But we're also like the type of people who still like to just like read books and stuff, you know, or, you know, just like disconnect from it. I mean, I know me personally, one thing that is um, really challenging for me is that I spend so much time just doing the work for Pandora and just getting things out the door, so to speak, that by the time it comes for me to actually go on social media and post something like I'm, I don't have it. I don't have the energy to do it. You know, Um, it's just a whole nother layer of stuff. And that's probably not, beneficial for me at all in terms of my position but then at the same time I'm also really focused on kind of just it's not about me it's about the artists and it's about the music and it's about getting them the chance to speak through Pandora to a certain extent you know what I mean yeah yeah to the to the point of this subject it's you're doing the work you're not trying to look like you're doing the work yeah (laughs) the optics you know it's definitely not optics you know oh yeah for sure like my (laughs) I mean, my Instagram is like, I've tried to really kind of orient it towards, you know, basically like showing people, you know, the, the promotional stuff. Right. And then of course, like talking, you know, about cultural things when they happen or, you know, but I also think like, man, you know, maybe I should be kind of like talking a little bit more about myself and love for the music. I guess maybe just by nature, I'm not necessarily someone who flexes about like my personal stuff, you know, there's like sometimes where I'm at the house and I'm Irie and I'm like, I'm like listening to records and, uh, you know, I've taken like pictures of the records and be like, yo, like remember records, you know, and I, and I do all yeah. that. And then I'm kind of like, does anyone really care? You know, <laughs> does anyone really yes, care about do. those things? Yes, they do. I think they do. I mean, that's really the point, right? Of social media is to be able to connect your personality to the outside world. Um, I guess for me, um, maybe this is just some sort of like, uh, I'm just a little private by nature, but um, I'm always kind of like just thinking like, is is anyone really going to be interested in this stuff? Like, do I, you know, should I share more? Should I share less? And then by the time I get to like, I I don't know. (laughs) It it could be something to do with, you know, generational thing. And then, you know, also just being a little bit more private of a person and a little bit more introverted. It's like, how do you, you you struggle to find your place in this world? at times i tell you i tell you what bro by the time i even get around to like kind of making a decision i'm just the time the moment has passed and i'm just like forget yeah. it you know <laughs> so yeah i've 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 kind of given up <laughs> I, I i use i use uh social media as like uh like a, a what is it a shouting board like i just kind of like put stuff out there that i'm feeling pissed off about or happy about or <laughs> Whatever I did that day, you know, a picture. So I, I feel like an old man, you know, but it's all good. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, I think, like, a place where the times I want to express myself the most are when I'm kind of, like, pissed off. I mean, obviously, these last four years, if you've been <laughs> paying attention in the United States, like, there's been a lot to be pissed off about. And for me personally, I'm just, like, one part of me is I just want to go on there and rant and rave about, like, how much of an idiot I think certain people are. Uh, and the other part of me is like, 
is that really the, what I want to show people about myself is that I'm just pissed off at Trump? Like, no, I'm, yeah. you know, I, I, I want to like orient it towards, you know, you know, positive and building. And again, like really for me, it's just, for instance, even like this interview for me is, is I was nervous about it because it's like, I don't really do that many interviews very often, you know? So yeah. this is for me kind of a little bit of um, a little outside of my comfort zone. I'm always definitely happy to talk about music and get into it. But um, I also think, you know, for me, like definitely having this conversation with you guys to me is much more beneficial than going online and being like using that as just like a place for me to take a selfie or like rant about something. You know what I mean? This is like, yeah. this is, this to me is real and this is a, a true exchange and, and I don't know that can always really be replicated on social media. Right. But also, yeah. you know, you look at it and some people are really good at it. Like Spice. Oh, yeah. You know we I mean? talk about I, Spice all the time. <laughs> I love Spice's Instagram Pretty because cool. it's just like, she's just Spice. Yeah. You know, and the, you're just waiting to see what she's going to do next. So it's very charismatic. Yeah. yeah. You know, the people that really like know how to do it, do it well. And it it is natural, even from a, you know, the perspective of someone who's viewing it. Yeah, I was going to say that um, this conversation is valuable because, you know, talking about empathy, I think you mentioning what you just mentioned is kind of like me realizing that, you know, not all artists sign up for, for this, you know. They just want to make music or be creative or, you know, just share this thing, stuff with the world. I mean, you know, we're DJs. You know, it's a similar thing. You know, we don't have to be interviewed. We just like we we can make a mix or something or a remix and put it out there, and that's that's our thing. Like for us to be front and center all the time, it's it's a very demanding thing, you know. And I, I guess that's the beauty of this podcast, right? Like I, I we grew up I grew up in the eighties and nineties where artists were just you know it was like this machine, this A and R machine, uh-huh. and by the time we saw them, there was some level of polish or branding or this is their thing Mm -hmm. and nowadays it's just kind of like you know technology is so you know is they're able to create so fast and if i'm an artist i'm not signed to a label i can have it on all dsps like tomorrow yeah you know so i i guess you know i'm admitting you know the fact that you know you brought it back to this this piece of empathy to where it's like yeah i am used to this mechanical thing that used to go on with artists in the the whole A&R process, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a different time and it's accelerating and changing, evolving, mutating every day into kind of like a new thing. I mean, a year ago who, who knew about TikTok and like were, you know, it was musically before, right? So like Mm -hmm. people knew about that. We're kind of like, Oh, this is really interesting. And then now here we are in a place where this, social media platform has actually become a place where music breaks and goes viral, you know, and, and influences uh, the way that people are consuming music in other places. You know, the example most recently of Fleetwood Mac, that Fleetwood Mac song dreams, right? Like, because one dude posted a video of him drinking cranberry juice, (laughs) skateboarding. Yeah. That that song is blowing up for generations of people who had never even heard of it before. You know, mm-hmm. and I think your point is actually super important too about um, the artists that don't necessarily sign up for it. You know, it kind of goes back to like the whole idea of creatives just being creatives. They don't, being part of their creative process isn't necessarily like something that goes always goes hand in hand with doing photo shoots or doing press junkets or 
giving interviews or, or even disclosing things about their personal life, even though like, you know, people kind of get to know them through their music, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think it's a super important um, thing to, to really like reflect on a bit. This conversation is making me smile. It's so, so good, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's like, we're pretty much out of time. But so, yeah, thank you so much, Diego. Like I wanted to ask you like so far with my being coming more, you know, reacquainted with Pandora, and you know as a user um yeah uh, you know we're content creating we're curating playlists now as well which everybody listening knows that check out the tastemaker playlist and and the revolution playlist as well as more to come right but um so far i've only come across once artists that i wasn't able to find on pandora so can you tell us like what an artist would need to do to get on pandora or if i'm a fan of an artist and i'm like you know wtf like they're not on here you know what what what's the next move to try to rectify that we work with thousands of digital distributors and that is the number one thing is your music needs to be digitally distributed whether it's through cd baby like one of the indies or whether you're actually working through like someone that's more established like one rpm or 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 whoever right like respect all the distros right i I gotta be careful because i don't want anyone to think that i have any favoritism it's not definitely not about that so that's the number one thing and the reason for that and it's actually beneficial for you as an artist is because you want your content to be delivered digitally so that you can have your music played interactively right we have two different tiers we have a radio tier which is you know um just the radio product that pandora is classically known for and then we have on-demand listening where you can listen on a playlist you can go listen to an album you can listen to a single like as soon as much as soon as you want it so really important for you to be digitally distributed and generally if you sign up through a distributor a reputable one right um which respect i think they're all reputable but (laughs) um then it should you should be able to deliver your music anywhere pandora or any of the other services if you do not have your music on pandora for whatever reason I would suggest searching Amp Playbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, AmpPlaybook.com, I think, is the actual site. Uh, and that has a very comprehensive breakdown of uh, not only our creator tools and our artist tools and, and, uh, and whatnot, but also how you can get your music on Pandora. We don't really do digital submissions in the same way that we used to anymore, where people could actually like email us a file simply because it, you know, it makes it so that it can't play on the on-demand tier. But if you do have your music and it happens to not be, uh, sorry, if you do have your music distributed already and it happens to not be live on Pandora, it's very easy to get it done. So um, that would be one thing. And I will say this, and you know, I always open up the floodgates a little bit when I say this, but if you're an artist, um, I'm always happy to hear music. And I would say probably the easiest way to just link me is to hit me on my Instagram. Diego H Pandora is my Instagram. And, I listen to everything that people send me. So, you know, please just be patient with me if I don't get back to you right away. But for sure, I'm happy to listen to the tunes. And I really actually think it's super important to, um, especially with like the younger and more developing artists, um, it's really important to um, do what we can to bring them up and like make sure that people get a chance to hear them. Because in this world of just nonstop release of content, you got to be able to cut through the noise. And, um, and I've, had the great fortune even through like my social media channels to have people 
send me music and be really pleasantly surprised and make sure to get it, you know, on our playlists and on our stations and in front of people for them to check the music out. That's very, very, very helpful. Thank you again, Diego. This this has been a great conversation, man. Thank thank you guys. Any any other uh, means of contact that you want to leave? Any shout out? I would say that yeah, just hit me up on on Instagram. That's just the best way to kind of get to me. And and if I don't answer immediately, like don't take it personally. I just I'm like jumping back and forth and doing things. But I really do listen to everything that you know people send me through there. So um, just link me there. Um, the other thing I would say is. Check out Pandora because I know some people have a perception that Pandora's offerings and like reggae and, and Caribbean music, you know, uh, beyond just, you know, the music that comes out of Jamaica was kind of dated. But I got I'm not going to lie. Like, this is where I'm going to toot my horn a little bit. Like, I've been doing a lot of work to just make sure that stuff is solid and um, really think that there's a lot for people there to check out. So, you know, go to the pop open the app, go to like the reggae landing page dive into the stations, um, dive into the playlists, check out New Reggae Now, which is kind of like my flagship playlist, and um, check out Forward Radio. FWD Radio is is one of the stations that I'm really trying to push. That's brand new artists, brand new music, brand new sounds, uh, you know, the, the new directions uh, happening in, in Jamaica. So, um, and also, shout out Reggae Lovers Podcast. I, I like mad respect for you guys doing what you do. I respect you. I listen and you guys are always super on point with the conversations, the explorations of music and explorations of, you know, the ecosystem of, of reggae dance hall music. So, you know, uh, really thank you very much for having me on with you guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Thank you. Hopefully you can come back and we can pick your brain some more about you know, when outside opens back up and what's going on in music. Yeah, man. Yeah, definitely. For sure. We'll, we'll do this again. Thank All you. Right. Yeah, man. Quite a refreshing conversation. I mean, I think some layers of the onion were peeled back. You know, I'm going to make a few food references here. You know, learn how the sausage was made. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we yeah, were man. able to break bread, you know? Yeah, break it. Broke broke bread. Yeah, man. Sus- sausage, onions, bread. <laughs> Very British. Sounds British. Some bangers and mash, you know? Wow. Yeah, we learned about um, how we should use empathy in the way that we talk about some of the issues that we touch on. And, and I like that. It's kind of a trend. I think next week, you know, we extend the empathy in the conversation that we have coming up for you guys next. So, yeah, that one. Shoot. We learned a whole lot in that one. Boy, <laughs> that's right, man. So big up to the whole team over at Pandora. Big up to the whole team at Pandora. Diego, thanks once again. Yeah, man. Great convo. Yo, Buzzworthy this week, Buju Banton on social media, taking a time out to tell you don't wear a mask in Jamaica. Thought that was pretty interesting. Buju put out like three videos on his IG, and I agreed with most of what he said. But when he got to the part about they've been lying to us the whole time, they lying to us about this virus, don't wear no mask. I want everything to go back to how it was. I was just like left scratching my head. I don't know. <laughs> what about you, Agard? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the same for me. 
Well, first of all, I would, I would like to just clarify that, yeah, I don't agree with that stance. I think mask wearing is definitely, definitely necessary. And I'll, I'll come at it from my own personal standpoint, okay? Before this pandemic even happened, right? Let's go back like a year and some change. I'm going to get a little personal. So my father had a heart transplant, right? And when you have a, a transplant of any major organ, you have to be in pristine environments, right? Like, or else, you know, you run the risk of your body rejecting said organ because, or, or, or you're more susceptible to infection. Guess what they did for my pops? They told him, like, basically it was quarantine. He had to be in clean environments. Every time he came out the house, he had to have a mask on. That was for his own protection. I know a lot of people out there, they haven't had relatives necessarily go through that. It's probably a very small percentage of society. But just to let you guys know, yeah, masks are worn in surgical operations to protect you as well as gloves. So, yeah, if there's a global pandemic and there's germs and and stuff spreading through the air, I'm going to wear a mask. So I disagree with Buju. Now, there's some other stuff that Buju said. I'm, I'm, no, I'm already long-winded that I actually do agree with him on. You know what I'm saying? I do believe that people have been taken for a ride. I do believe that we have been lied to, but I don't think the pandemic is one of those things. I mean, obviously, there are aspects of the pandemic and the way that the media spins things. There's no shortage of misinformation, people being misled, people being lied to. But again, you know, the science really does show that you can keep yourself from inhaling particles that contain the virus by more people using masks and, and face more importantly, coverings, face coverings. The, yeah, the more the more people wear masks, the less they can spread. Uh, germs. Even if somebody's infected, if they're wearing a mask and you're wearing a mask, you'll be protected. There you go. Um, also this week, Rodigan, big up David Rodigan, who received his order of distinction from Jamaica. Um, also big up to Sadella Marley, who also was awarded order of distinction honors. Also this week, I saw Barrington Levy post pictures on his IG seen in the studio with DJ Khaled. Khaled in full mask and gloves and everything, and Barrington with none. But nevertheless, you know, obviously he had to sing as they're putting hey. something together. So <laughs> he's protecting Barrington. Yeah, man. So definitely looking forward to hearing that. As you heard, Barrington Levy was the artist that sparked Diego Herrera to get into the music, and he's still doing it till this day. Till this day. Yo, somebody sent me a picture of uh, Khaled and Barrington in a car, and he was like, wow, another another artist that this guy's going to ruin. I'm not going to say who sent me that message, but that that was kind of funny. People didn't <laughs> like uh, that first tune from uh, Buju when he got out of prison. Come on, man. Oatmeal porridge, man. Oatmeal porridge. Real yard man things. Yeah, man. Yard man things. <laughs> Alright, for the tastemaker this week, everybody check out the music video, Buju Banton and Coffee, the remix for Pressure, official music mm-hmm. video for the remix. I mean, yo, these dudes are, man, yo, Buju and Coffee both, you know, they're going pretty hard, going, yeah, on, definitely. going on all cylinders in this quarantine. <laughs> music video for the remix, bro. 
you know, maybe there's something for our next show, but I think, look, I'm, I'm a little cynical, right? I think Buju's statement was actually because he has stuff coming out soon. But anyway, yeah. we'll leave that for another show. Yeah, we'll leave that. We'll leave that. And yeah, what's the other thing we wanted to have everybody check out, man? Yeah, man. Um, sound well, not sound clash, but sound sound system related. R.I.P. Once again to Bunny Striker Lee. You know who passed away a few weeks ago. His good friend Tony Screw of Downbeat the Ruler paid tribute to him on uh, LP's Real Talk Live. And basically, every week LP has Instagram Live where they feature themselves and and sound systems and artists who come in and they talk it's and the premise is you know it's from back in the days those who have helped the the culture they they if it's a sound man they have them mix you know dubs and stuff if it's an artist they have them perform a little bit and talk to them so uh tony screw went to come in and, and pay tribute to his deceased friend bunny striker lee so that's on lp's uh youtube page actually Thank you for sending me the link. I was able to check that out today, Agard. And yo, at first I was like, man, I don't think I'm going to listen to that. But you went through the trouble to send me the audio, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, yo, I got to listen to this now. And I'm glad that I did. So again, thank you. Um, Downbeat is a sound that every single time you listen to Downbeat, you're going to hear a whole different set of tunes. It's just amazing. Their catalog, we're talking dub plates that Tony Screw started to voice back in the 1970s, early 70s. I want to say 1972. The sound was blessed by Cox and Dodd, the owner and founder of Studio One. And obviously, listening to this tribute, he worked very closely with Bunny Striker Lee, who you know provided him with exclusive rhythms. And he's just playing song after song that he was able to say, one in the world, only one in the world, original. Like, he's got the most amazing collection of dub plates and just reggae music that I've ever heard. Dude, he 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 played a dub that, according to him, he cut about 20 years ago that he said he never played in a dance. <laughs> Yo, can you imagine? Yo, I'm sure he's got boxes of dubs that he's never played. You know, the way that this dude has really approached the music. It's just phenomenal. You know, I was telling you, it brought me back to the Radigan versus Downbeat Clash. Yeah. That took place at CPAC in Brooklyn in 2006. I don't believe. see you got a better memory than me. I, I got to revisit the audio. The reason that I remember this. This is, um, you know, an indelible part of my memory is because you know, at the time I was living in Atlanta and I flew to New York for the dance. And then that same weekend, I think the next day, I took a trip to Boston to um, to visit my then girlfriend, now wife. So, mm-hmm. you know, I had a lot going on that weekend and it was a terrific weekend. I had a great time. I mean, that clash was well worth the plane tickets and, you know, like travel and everything. I mean, yeah, man, I need to get a, I know there's some video of that too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, man, history dance. Yeah, man. Yeah, but but downbeat, Tony Screw, and, yo, shout out Chris Capone, man, because, you know, he was mixing for Tony Screw, and it was only, it was CDs and, and, and vinyl, basically, so... 
you know, not not <laughs> not everybody could do that. You know, nowadays, you know, it's 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 all Serato. Yeah, no, his mixes were on point, and I love to hear. That's how I love to hear downbeat. I do not like to hear <laughs> when the downbeat dubs are not you know blending together nicely. He was dropping everything yeah. right when he needed to, pulling it up right when it needed to be pulled up. So yeah, appreciate that. So we're gonna put links to all these things. You could check them out at reggaelover.com. Please, as we mentioned, visit Pandora and listen to our show there. If you want to listen to our pod, um, our podcast, as well as our playlist, the Tastemaker playlist and the Revolution playlist, curated by yours truly. I'm going to go listen to the Revolution playlist. I need that in my life right now. You know, <laughs> the streets, the streets where I live are, are kind of hot right now, even though it's October, so... Yeah, need to need to get my mind right, you know. Yeah, man. Big up all, big big up everybody in Brooklyn right now, you know. You know, we all need a group hug. Yo, I want to say, big up everybody in Nigeria. Big up to all, oh, yeah. all my Jeez. people, you know, in the diaspora. You know, what I'm saying hashtag end SARS is a real thing. Um, you know, my thoughts and prayers to all the civilians, and hopefully. The powers over there, the government, you know, they get their act together and yeah, man, restore some some peace and some normalcy, you know. And shame on all the media outlets that are not covering this. Yet another it's African crazy, you know, atrocity, and it's being completely ignored by mainstream media. Firebun for that. Yeah, man. I mean, especially in America. I mean. You know, you go anywhere outside of America and world news is actually shared. You know, this is one of the few countries in the world where, uh, I don't know, the media has this nationalistic agenda, I guess. But, yeah, man, yo, prayers for everybody in Nigeria. Yeah, man. And then next thing now, if you're in America, vote. If you haven't voted already, rock the vote. Just to let you know, you know, I'm doing my part. Whether or not I vote early is one thing, but uh, definitely gonna do it in person, man. Brave, brave this pandemic. Go not, go out into the world and and do my part. You know. Oh, word. All right. So follow yeah. Agar's lead if you want that. You know what I'm saying? I voted already. <laughs> no, no. If you, if you feel safe, if you feel I voted if you already, feel safe. And if um, you don't feel safe, make sure you fill out everything properly so that your vote counts and mail it in at the appropriate time. Or do like I did is I, I went over to the county um office of, of registrars or whatever and there was a line of people it must have been a, a mile long middle of the day weekday people waiting to get into this building to vote so you know i took my my daughter came on the drive with me we we walked up and dropped our ballots into a a bar a drop box thing and then we we drove off <laughs> no line no wait yeah man so you got options and if you're not a citizen of america and you have money contribute you know that's that's what i'm gonna say about that if you can't <laughs> vote contribute some money legally <laughs> okay yeah i think i'm tired i need i need to go contribute some money doesn't matter to what just contribute money <laughs> Contribute some money to regular level podcast. <laughs> yeah, to regular level podcast or whichever candidate you know is backing your uh, 
political philosophy or whatever. Click the link at regulover.com to contribute money. (laughs) Yeah, man. Until next time, yo, this was great. Thank you so much for listening. Peace. Reggae Lover Podcast was produced by Andres Agard and Aubrey Khalil Agard. Visit ReggaeLover.com for full show notes, archives, and more information. If you're interested in a sponsorship or donation, please email info at ReggaeLover.com. Follow us on Instagram at ReggaeLover Podcast. Like our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash ReggaeLover Podcast. So let's take a break to talk about one of our great sponsors. I tell you what, I was listening to an audio book about Bob Marley on Audible entitled So Much Things to Say. Mm-hmm. It's an oral history written and performed by Roger Stephens. He spent time down in Jamaica interviewing everybody, including Marley and everybody that was around him. So I'm talking Rita Marley, Skill Cole film crews that were down filming him, you know, all the members of the Whalers. He's having these conversations and these interviews that he also collected while he was doing the radio shows. He put all this information into a book. What's so great about it is it just immerses you into the experience, quoting Peter Bunny, the incidents happened with Bob getting shot, the concert when he brings the two political leaders on stage. And so you really get the excitement, the energy of what is going on. That book right there, I strongly recommend it to any reggae lover, anybody that's into Bob Marley, and we have a special deal. Go to Audible and get a free book, free trial of Audible. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover, and there you can grab a free copy of this book. And the reason why I like Audible is because I like to learn new things, but sometimes I don't have time to read a book. I don't have time to sit there and leaf through the pages because I got work to do. So I like to listen to books in the car. If I'm riding a bike, just taking a walk in the neighborhood. There's so many different ways that you can actually learn new information or be entertained. You know, me personally, I like nonfiction. I like biographical stuff. So Audible is a great tool to use in order to take in that information and still go along with your day. Audible, they have the best narrators. You know, you're able to keep where you're at in the book. It's a very convenient way to take in new information and be entertained. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover. So much things to say. The title by Roger Steffens, Oral History of Bob Marley.